You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 continues here on your Friday morning. We go down the, excuse me, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, and we're joined by Jeff Baker, Seattle Kraken and NHL writer at the Seattle Times. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me on this Friday morning. How are we doing? We're doing okay. It's actually stopped raining here for a couple of minutes. Oh, so uh, if, if the flames sneak in really quick, they might be able to avoid that. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, hey, we've been, yeah, we've been getting out of a little bit of miniature deep freeze up here. So, uh, hey, I think they'd, they'd take a little bit of rain. Uh, who knows? Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about your boys there down in Seattle. Last night, watched their game against Nashville. That was a great effort there. 4-2 win coming back. Uh, you know, I've, you, you had an article up talking about this 10-game stretch they opened up the season with, and I don't think there was a 10-game stretch that anybody in the NHL had to face like the Seattle Kraken did. And, yeah, it's, it's an under 500 10-game stretch, but there were some impressive victories sprinkled in there as well. Just talk about the start uh, to the year to the Seattle Kraken team. Well, I think you're right. I mean, I, I can't envision anybody had a start that difficult. They had seven of their first 10 games against playoff teams, and then the other three games were one was in Detroit against the Red Wings when they were red hot. Uh, the, the other two were the home openers for St. Louis and for Nashville. So, yeah, they really ran up against it there. And uh, even 500 would have been fantastic for them. That, that would probably be, have been the best possible result. They had a shot at it, but they blew a, a couple of games on their road trip. They, they, were, they had multi-goal leads. They went on this killer road trip as well to finish yeah. it off. Um, and, and they had multi-goal leads in all of them, and they blew multi-goal leads in all of them. But they ended up winning two games in overtime. They lost another one in a shootout. They, they never win shootouts, these guys. Um, and uh, sorry, it was overtime. It wasn't hey, no, we, we, yeah. Flames don't win in shootouts yeah, either. They don't win in shootouts either. <laughs> so, so, yeah, they, they survived that. And, uh, and, and then they won last night at home against Nashville. So it's their first two-game winning streak of the season. Um, this is really an opportunity in November uh, uh, where they really have to try to build their way back into, into things. And they've had a break because, you know, some of the Pacific Division teams, particularly Alberta, <coughs> I don't want to mention anybody <laughs> in particular, but, um, you know, between the Oilers and Flames, they're, they're kind of keeping the Kraken, uh, the Kraken's playoff hopes uh, still very firmly yes. in the uh, front mirror because in, in the front window. So, uh yeah, you know, the season didn't end. They they managed to survive it. Is is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was it was a it was a good effort last night against Nashville, doubling them up four two. Uh, Philip Grubauer, he got uh, ran into there, looked a little uh, worse for wear, but he finished the game. How's he doing after after last night? Uh, yeah, you know, he he's he's still walking around. Although I I say he he pulled his groin muscle and was out a month last year, yeah. and, and he was walking around hopping up and down the grandstands after the game in, in Colorado. So. You, you never can tell. He's got to get back on the ice and, and see how he uh, see how he moves uh, at practice this morning, and we'll see uh, if, if he if he goes out there. We'll see how things uh, uh, healed up overnight. Although he looked all right to finish the game, um, so I, I think I think that it, he'll do okay. He uh, he played very well last night. Yeah. Uh, there's a good goalie competition going on with him and Joey Decord. So uh, you know, Kraken are trying to milk that as far as they can. How, how is that? Is it is uh, is uh, Dave Haxtell wanting like a uh, like a a true split, like a tandem with Decord and Grubauer? Or is it still this is going to be Grubauer's net, and then Decord might creep in and maybe get like thirty to forty starts a year? 
Yeah, I, I think 30, uh, 30 to 40 starts a year would be something that the Kraken would envision. Um, look, if you're going, if you're going to make the playoffs, and that's clearly their goal, you're, you're going to go with one goal in the playoffs. You're not, you're not going mm-hmm. with two guys. That that rarely ever works out. And and so, you know, Grubauer's the number one guy. Grubauer's shown he can do it day, game after game uh, throughout his career. Uh, Decord has yet to do that. In fact, Decord's won some games, but he's allowed a flurry of goal, late goals in a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something he was doing last season as well. Uh, you know, Decord still has to show that he can be a guy that can, they can depend upon um, game after game. He hasn't done that yet. So, uh, but... You know, Grubauer, I think where he's at his best sometimes is when he's not playing, uh, you know, 60 games a year, mm-hmm, 55, mm-hmm. 60 games a year. He'd like to, but I think we saw with Martin Jones last year, uh, a lot of it because of Grubauer's injury. When, when, when Grubauer gets some, some, some rest and his workload's a little eased, uh, I, I think sometimes he can play better. Yeah. Uh, I, Jaden Swartz was a name I heard a lot last night on the broadcast, uh, and he's off to a pretty good start as well. Just talk about his impact uh, since coming over to the to over to the Kraken. Well, he was hurt the first, uh, you know, for most of the first season. Yep. And, and then, you know, he had some sporadic uh, games to start off last season as well. Uh, he, he battled through some things, but when he's out there, he's one of the most productive Kraken players they have. In fact, in the playoffs. Last season, uh, you know, he was arguably one of their top three guys. He really carried them uh, through that playoff, second-round playoff series against Dallas, which the Kraken probably should have won, and, and they, they've regretted not winning ever since. And um, he, he's a guy who goes to the net front. This team, sometimes you, you have to keep repeating it over and over again before it gets into their head mm-hmm. that they have to go to the net front in order to be productive. And when they stop scoring goals, it's because they're not going to the net front. Schwartz is one of the few guys they have that can consistently do that. Uh, that's why he's out there on the power play. Uh, this team, during that 10-game opening stretch, w- had a long run where they weren't scoring any goals. And uh, between Schwartz and Jared McCann, I think they had like 40% of the team's scoring output at one point. Uh, so th- those two have really picked up the slack for some guys that have been missing in action as far as goal scoring goes. And, and I'm, on that front, I'm talking about Matty Beniers and Ellie Tolden, and they, they scored 40 between them last year. They have one, one goal between them this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, Schwartz has really picked up the slack. So has Jared McCann and, and Oliver Bjorkstrand as well. Without those three guys, this team might be uh, might, might have one win in their first 11 games. But uh, they, they've uh, – yeah, you know, so Schwartz has been a very valuable component. You mentioned Matty Beniers there. I think that's the, that's the name a lot of people that are maybe aren't Kraken fans or, or watch them all the time. They they focus in like this was the the top pick. This was the one that you know they're they're maybe a future game breaker for them. Maybe the first superstar in Kraken history. But uh, you know second year, but kind of a rough start in, into the the second year you mentioned there. But how is he taking uh, being part of this franchise now as as he is the young face of this franchise going forward? How is he dealing with all that pressure? Well, we're going to see a lot more of how he deals with it going forward mm-hmm. because he's had a rough start, as he said. He hasn't scored in his first 11 games. Yeah. And for a guy that had 24 goals last year, that's a bit of a problem for the Kraken. Uh, so so they really need to see how he holds up. The one thing that you've noticed uh, as, as his career has moved on, he had started last season as well. Um, you know, guys are getting a lot more physical with him. He He's noticed. He can't slip in there and, and be invisible. Uh, yeah. People People have him marked. Uh, he's he's been getting uh, physically shoved around. Uh, the Kraken haven't always responded as quickly as they should, and uh, and you know that it's been a rough go for him. He got blindsided by uh, Tyler Myers in January of last year, suffered a concussion, missed the All Star game, and he really hasn't been the same mm. since um, production wise. Anyway, you know he's had flurries where he's a he's a 
good playmaker, holds the puck, sets things up the way they want him to. Uh, he's been unlucky a few times this season as well. Uh, he hit a post in Florida from, from uh, something like 15 feet away that, that should have gone in. But, you know, it's just, it's just not the same. And he's going to have to figure out, uh, again, how to, how to do what he was doing uh, when, when players maybe weren't taking as much notice of him from the opposition. He's going to have to. That's part of the adjustment that a second-year player has to make. I, I, I'm not bailing on him by any stretch. Mm. Uh, and I, I guarantee you the team is as well. But uh, they, they, you know, they have to see how he reacts to uh, the first real signs of adversity in his career, which is what he's going through right now. Uh, it's year three in the league. Uh, you know, they fell in game seven last year in the second round of the Stars in their second year. Ron Francis plans still on track, I'm sure. But how much did making the playoffs that quickly maybe tweak expectations around the place? Oh, it definitely tweaked expectations um, to to the point where, I mean, it was predictable that they were not going to win. They weren't going to be over 500 in the first 10 games. You knew that just by looking at the schedule. But you you could also predict that a lot of the fan base would be dumping or bailing on the team uh, partway through that because you knew the crack and we're going to lose a lot of games. And, And so that's what happened. The expectations were so sky high. All of a sudden, you see a team with two wins in its first uh, eight or nine games, and, and fans are going, "Wait, what? What's going on?" So, I, I think what we're seeing this <clears throat> this year, regardless of the schedule, I think this team was poised to take a bit of a step back because it's 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 starting to work in some of the younger prospects mm-hmm. that, uh, that that they drafted a couple of seasons ago. I mean, Beniers was already in there, but you've got Ty Cartier now playing up on the team's top line alongside uh, Beniers, and and so. You know, there, there's had to be, and they're going to have Shane Wright coming in at some point. They're going to have Riker Evans coming in probably this season as well at some point on defense. And so to, to do that, they had to make room. They let a bunch of guys go in the offseason, and, and they had one of the most productive fourth lines in hockey a year ago, but they let uh, Daniel Sprong, Morgan Geeky, Ryan Donato go. They let Carson Soucy go on defense to make room for all these guys coming up eventually. Yeah. And they've taken a bit of a hit in that regard uh it's been a bit of an adjustment and i think they were always poised it it was always going to be difficult to match the 100 points from last season uh i think they could still do that but uh you know i think they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot to be realistic throughout this year i don't think you're going to see them in the top three in the pacific division uh, unless edmonton and calgary just completely crater uh which which i don't think is going to happen at least not with edmonton and so Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be tough. They're always in tough that way. Um, yeah, I, I think they exceed the expectations of the playoffs. I tell everybody, if you look at the playoffs last year, game four, Jordan Everly scores in overtime to tie that series 2-2 with Colorado. If Colorado scores, they go up 3-1. That series is over in five games. And yeah. we have a completely different outlook on last season. So, uh, you know, you got to temper expectations sometimes. How much did, uh, you know, Vegas winning in their sixth season ramp things up in Seattle a little more? Or are these two, they're, 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 yes, they're the two newest franchises, but we're, Seattle's going to operate a little bit different. So I don't think the Vegas thing is that big a, a catalyst here in Seattle. Okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, that this team is not really at the forefront of the public consciousness in the Seattle sports yeah. team. They've got a lot going on here. they got yep. the Seahawks in playoff position, the Huskies, uh, yeah. trying to go for a playoff in football, you know, baseball Mariners were in it right to the end. The Kraken really aren't up there in the, in the public consciousness yet. So it's not Vegas so much. The one thing that is on the team's mind that their season ticket holders signed on for a minimum three-year package yeah. when they started, and that comes due next spring. Yeah. So this team bottoms out, finishes last. 
well, 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 they can't finish last in Pacific because San Jose is there, but if they finish well down, if they finish well down in the standings, uh, they, that's going to be a tough sell next spring. So I think that's more of a catalyst right now than the Golden Nets. What uh, you mentioned, Shane, right there is he's uh, he went ended up finishing last year with Coachella Valley, had a decent playoff run. Uh, he's back down there to start this year. How much is it weighing on him that, you know, he didn't make the team in Seattle? He had obviously struggled with the pro game last year or at, at the Seattle level last year. How how where does he fit in this future right now? You meant, is, is he coming this year? Is it, is it still like, hey, you see what he can do down in another year of pro hockey? Because we know all the thing coming out of that draft year and how how the pandemic really messed with his development and everything. So I just just wanted to check in with Shane Wright because I think it's a guy that like we're, we're we're a little bit concerned with. I think he was more disappointed last season, uh, yeah. Based on everything that happened to him and the odyssey he had, I don't think he's as disappointed this year because he woke up and he saw what pro hockey's about. Yeah, and he saw that he had to get bigger and tougher, <clears throat> and he did. Uh, he did. He, he got noticeably bigger, and, and just just by playing with some of those guys. Uh, and then he he really worked out this off season with Gary Roberts in uh, in his Toronto uh, facility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Came into camp, you know, he had a he had a good camp. Not good enough to make the team just yet, but uh, good enough. I'd be surprised if he's not up here this season. Uh, and you look at the center depth that the Kraken have. I mean, it's it's really not that impressive. I mean, you got Veneers, who's up there as their number one, regardless of the fact he hasn't scored. He's still their number one center. But then there's Alex Wenberg, who's whose contract expires after this season. There's Yanni Gord. After that, his contract's up in another uh, couple of seasons. And and, and so and then your fourth line's a 38 year old Pierre Edouard uh, Belmar. So they're not exactly uh, teaming with center depth on this team. So he's a big part of their future. And, uh, and, you know, they want to make sure that when he gets up here, he's ready to play. They, they don't have time to baby him and, and, and ease him into the league for a yeah. couple of years. They need him up here ready to play. We're talking with Jeff Baker, uh, Seattle Kraken and NHL writer over at the Seattle Times. Uh, how much are the losses of Brandon Tanev and Andre Burakovsky affecting this group? I know Tanev's kind of close here. I think he's probably he's, he's skating, I believe. And then they were thinking more like December for Burakovsky. Yeah, both. Uh, I mean, yeah, kind of skating. He might be a little ahead of schedule. And then Burakovsky, they said right around mid-December, he should be back. Um, and, and, yeah, it hurts. It hurts big time because they didn't go out and get anybody this summer that, that would really be a, 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 needle mover, a needle mover as far as uh, goal scoring goes. So they were really counting on Burakovsky to come back and, and help their offensive production that they lost when all those fourth-line guys left. And so you mentioned fourth line. I mean, Tanev was on that fourth line mm-hmm. for a good part of last season, and then he, moved, he bounced around third and fourth line. But you lose that many guys. Everybody talks about the Kraken's depth last year. Well, that was their depth, and now they're all gone. Those, those guys, I think there's like 60 goals between those four guys. So that's out. And then you lose Bur- Burakowski, who you were counting on, and that's out. So then when Beneers doesn't score and Tolden doesn't score, all of a sudden, and, and Jordan Everly, I think, has one goal yeah. this season. All of a sudden, that's where your offense uh, vanishes into thin air. So they really need, uh, you know, Jared McCann, Jaden Schwartz, Bjorkstrand can't carry this team all, all season. They need they need some of these guys back. Uh, you also have an article up at the Seattle Times talking about uh, the neck neck protection, and it's it's coming, and history says it will. Obviously, with the, the Adam Johnson uh, uh, incident, the death that happened last weekend over in England, uh, a lot more players, a little more conscious about protecting their necks. And you saw TJ Oshie last night. He's got a company that makes them. He was wearing one. A few of the Jets players were also wearing them. Uh, what have the Kraken players told you about uh, how they're feeling with uh, with the, the neck protection? I know the WHL, the last last of Canada's major junior leagues, is making it mandatory today. 
They, uh, the Kraken players would like to put on neck protection. Uh, again, it's the, it's the common refrain you've heard from players for, because that, that stuff's been out there for a while now. Oh, I mean, yeah. Oshie made his, Oshie made his Jersey a year ago. He still hadn't worn it a game. It's, it's the comfort aspect, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I think it, it's going to be a balance between comfort and then realizing, wow, like, like, you know, I could die in a game. Uh, you know, what's, what's worth it to be a, mm-hmm. have a little period of adjustment or not. I mean, look, it's not like they're putting a dog collar around their neck and leading them around with a leash. Yep. I mean, it's just going to be another piece of equipment you have to get used to. And sometimes the death is what is what happens to it. You know, you talk about player mouth guards, which not every player wears, and you yep. put those in your mouth, and it, it significantly reduces your likelihood of a severe concussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet players still won't do that because of comfort. The problem is with concussions, it's more like a slow uh, drip, drip, drip towards the end of your career when you get too many of those, whereas, you know, what happened to Adam Johnson is instantaneous. I think that resonates a lot more with players, and I think that's why you're seeing players take such a close look at it now. Um, and I think T.J. Oshie doing it in a game and some of the other players doing it in a game is what it's going to take. It's, it's, this is a league where the players get led around by their peers, and if they see other people doing it, it's a copycat league, so they're going to go ahead and do it. Um, you know, They're going to need some prodding, but I think the prodding from within is the best way for it to happen. Uh, yeah, I'm full agreement with there. I think we're going to see a lot more uh, players doing it. And I think once the stars start doing it, you're going to see a lot of it happening around the, the game of hockey. Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time out of your morning and, uh, and chatting some cracking with me. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk again very soon, I'm sure. Sounds great. Yep.